would you? Because I want to get. Are we talking about the noise I was making about going around the world? Yeah. You want to record that? Yeah. Wait, are we recording right now? <laughs> we are. Wait. <laughs> yes, I, howdy, everybody! I knew it. You did it again. He always does that to me. Uh, I'm Robert, <laughs> and this is Money Shot. <laughs> Very good, Robert. I love fucking with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this week, it's a it's a big week. This week, get it? Big. Oh, big! Week. I get it. Yeah. yeah, big. You're talking about the Tom Hanks film, yeah? yeah. Big. It's time for you to leave, Ira. Okay, sorry. We need to find a new co-host. I understand. It's about that time. I'm surprised I lasted this long. (laughs) (laughs) No, this week we're going to be talking about the king of all movies, King Kong. Yeah. Long dong King Kong. And what a king. Yeah. But first, as is usual, you notice we don't have anybody here with us. It's just the love between you and me this week. That's our guest. The love that we share. You're really feeling it, aren't you? I am. When are we going to announce to all of our listeners that we are indeed an item and we're shopping for drapes? As soon as we become an item and start shopping for drapes. I somehow thought we were. We are not? You've been a little delusional, apparently. It's not, it's not <laughs> the, the first time. Lay off the cough syrup. <laughs> um, so this week we're going to talk about King Kong, uh, which is, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But as per usual, we got a few fan mails ah, that I'm going to bust out on you. Let's hear them. Okay. Uh, now, some of these, I think they CC'd you, so I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you did see some of these. Uh, this guest, I pulled just a couple little, little interesting tidbits. This person says, uh, great pod, guys. I listen to Meltdown shows all the time. Great to find new content like yours. So that's Ooh, nice. Nice. Yeah, we got a little new listener from Meltdown. Last week, we had Mason Booker on the show, uh, helped us review Logan, the new uh, Wolverine entry, and... Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we got some blisters coming over from Meltdown. Cool. That was nice. Yeah. Mason was a nice guy, wasn't he? I liked him a lot. Yeah. Good guy and knowledgeable. Yeah. Very knowledgeable. Yeah. Yeah. He ran deep with films, man. Did you notice when we were going over there to the movie theater, we were talking about Mumblecore? And he, he yeah, went he knew the there. name of that guy who was heading Mumblecore, yeah. who you went to school with. Uh, Joe Swanberg. That's it. That's the name. Yeah. I had to Google him two years ago when you were about to but he... Mason, he knew just who he was. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, this next listener says, you didn't mention how long Logan is. They should have yeah. cut about 20 minutes at least. Damn, that shit's long. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I, I, I feel like maybe we did do a disservice by not talking about how long it was. It, it was a little long, right? A little. Too much? Two, it was two and a half hours. It wasn't two and a half hours? Yeah. Yeah, it's too long. Yeah. I, I wonder, I mean, if they're, if it's long because... Of the fanboys who really want um, the last send-off for Logan to really be, or for Wolverine, to be something a little bit more epic. And I wonder if they just felt like they turned in a 90-minute, you know, quick and dirty film that they would feel like that's not enough. That could be it. Or maybe it was just irresponsible filmmaking. Possibly. Maybe just they needed an editor to come in and yeah. do his job. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, this next listener says, it's about time they kill off Wolverine because that dude was wearing on my nerves. <laughs> I thought that was funny. What did you think of, of this was your first Wolverine. It is. I mean, the first X-Men film. Well, I did see it. one when I was in a hotel in the Marina Del Rey with someone and I was with distracted. Someone? I was distracted. It was in oh, the let's background. Let's get into that. What do you mean? You were well, distracted. We're not going to do this again now, are we? <laughs> but I was in the marina with someone. She, you know, I wanted to 
see the movie, and she didn't want to. So it was in the background, and I'd try to look at it every now and then. What were you doing that you were distracted? I, I, I was um, uh, talking. Sweeping the floor? Sweeping the floor. <laughs> in a hotel room? Sweep, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, meta, that's the euphemism, right? I understand, yeah. But um, Why do you change the subject so quickly? Well, because we're not going to get it. You're always doing this. I just want to know what you were doing in the you hotel room. You always beat me, don't you? <laughs> you like doing that. Yeah, yeah. The listeners want it. Mm. It's good pod. Uh, <laughs> it's good pod. It's good pod. It's great pod, apparently. Yeah. Um, but you're right. For all intents and purposes, I hadn't seen any of the X Men films. This is my first. The X Men film that you saw while you're eating this girl out, or whatever it is you're doing. What did you see? What do you remember seeing besides her butthole? Um, uh, Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> Should we had a tattoo or what? No, oh, you're saying the actor? Yeah, okay, I yeah. thought you just meant oh, there no, was a Picard. Okay, he was in the movie, and I wanted to watch it. <laughs> you okay. know, he has an actual name, right? Jean Luc, <laughs> Patrick Stewart. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. You know what? I just found out. What? I just found this out uh, recently. I have a student who's doing a speech, and his speech is about uh, who his gone in a submarine the deepest and the they they say that james cameron has the record but he actually doesn't there's two guys from the 1960s who had a submarine that went the deepest and they they're they actually went deeper than james cameron by about 40 feet and the guy's name like one of the guys one was don welsh and the other guy was jacques picard that's funny i wonder if they modeled jean-luc picard's character name after this guy. I wonder. Or it could just be a coincidence. Could be a coincidence, but it seems like kind of an unlikely coincidence. Man, I don't but know. If anybody's out there who knows that answer, please send us an email or something like that. Let us know. Yeah, the, the director of Titanic, mm-hmm. he goes around saying that he has gone the deepest. But I don't think but, that's and true. it's wrong. It's incorrect, huh? Yeah, because yeah, he's been saying that. In the media, in a submarine that he went the deepest I think than anyone that, else. I mean, according to this other record, there was a submarine that went 40 feet deeper. Well, we need to correct James Cameron then, don't yeah. we? Yeah. I'm sure he's just very conveniently looking past that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, 40 feet, when you look at the difference, I mean, that's practically nothing when you're talking about that level of depth. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty nuts. Do you, could you go in, an, in a submarine that deep? Would you be okay with that? Well. Or would the claustrophobia get to you? I, I think I think I'd be. Are, are there windows? Yeah, I'm sure there are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just going to be black though after a while, right? Unless you have a light. Oh, if you're looking the... outside, yeah, I guess it would be. Black. Well, where would you be looking? A window to the inside? Well, I thought there'd be mermaids and stuff floating <laughs> around outside. It'd be. <laughs> what? You're laughing at me? Why are you laughing? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be like a Disney adventure. Have I mentioned that I love doing this podcast well, with you? I like doing it with you too yeah, a lot. Man. But yeah, it'd be a, a Disney adventure. Mm-hmm. Remember the submarine ride at Disneyland? I do remember it. It'd be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't it? Same exact thing. There you In go. fact, they actually take you down to the bottom of the ocean, the bottom of the Pacific. Yeah, but you're on a track, just like at, yeah, yeah. But it's, like it really is a track to the bottom of the ocean. In real life, there's yeah. a track. I knew it. That's huh. what that ride is. Huh. That's what they patterned it after. Yeah, real life. No, it really it, is you're real saying life. That the ride really is yeah. the thing. No, fuck it. I, this joke has gone nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> if you could see the look on Iris' face. Oh, it's so great. But do you think you could get in a submarine and go that deep? Uh, would I have to be gone for more than a day? 
<laughs> I can never get just a straight yes or no well, answer. I need to know some variables here. You can't lay this hypothetical on me where I need to know some specifics. Yeah. A, is there a window? B, will the mermaids wave back to me? And C, how long will I be gone? If it's more than 24 hours, I may get bored. Will I have my Sony Walkman with me? Can I watch movies down there? We need to talk about these things. You probably would have to operate some controls. I have know? to pilot the damn thing? Well, But it's yeah. on a track. It's not on a track. <laughs> It drops you into the ocean. You've got to go down, down, down. Wait, you're saying I'm out of the submarine? You're in the submarine. Yeah. Well, it's so yellow. I'm, yeah. So it's, okay. Yellow, it's yellow submarine. So, in a town where I was born. <laughs> so, okay. could you do that? For about 20 minutes. For 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. And what would be for dinner? I knew I was, I was just about to say, like, you're going to start wondering what. What's, what's for, for dinner? Food. Is there going to be a chef? No, you're the only one. Well, on the yes, I'm there's the a one? chef. You're the chef. Oh, well, I, when I get bored, who do I talk to? <laughs> you have to do some introspection. I want quiche. I want something to make me quiche. Can you make quiche? No, but then I thought there's no cooked. quiche. Well, this is sounding rather undesirable. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Mm. Okay. Um, nice. <laughs> Mermaids. I don't know if I can do the, the submarine. I mean, I don't have a big fear of depth. I've gone scuba diving, and I like that, but, man, when you're talking about that deep, it's almost a mile deep. I think it might be more than a mile deep. Are you in a small room when you're in that submarine, or is it large? Is it the size of of a football field? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think they have submarines the size of a football field? They probably have jumbo jets. Why would they have a a jumbo? Oh, man, this is like a small little pod. A small pod? Yeah. So what are you saying? It's like nine yards. Just like us. It's a great pod. It's a great pod. Boom! Yeah, bing. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. waiting for you to say that. Yeah. No, it's just like a little bubble. Hmm. You're in your own little private bubble. Would there be anyone there with me? No. Let's pretend that you're by yourself. Even better follow-up question. If there was someone oh, with that's you, good. who would that's you good. take? You, Robert. Oh, you just want me to... Have to listen to your torture. <laughs> Robert, why are we here? When are we going back up? Where's the mermaid? Are we done yet? <laughs> I can't see colors. Where's my quiche? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about something else that's, uh, that, that that's is very, very deep. Very deep. King Kong and Skull Harry. Island. Yeah, yeah, very hairy. That's the word Another you're looking for, situation. deep and hairy. Yeah. Uh, King Kong Skull Island. Ira, you want to talk about the movie? Why don't you, Robert, take us through the basics? Oh. Yeah, you're good at doing a synopsis. I love it. All right, so uh, Kong Skull Island begins with uh, John Goodman setting off a... Um, a well, I guess it actually begins with a, a fall from the sky uh, and these characters from... Uh, World War II are fighting it out in the in the skies over uh, near Vietnam, and they fall out of the sky and are fighting each other. This uh, this Japanese um, character and an American character, and they're fighting, 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 and just as about to kill each other, King Kong shows up. So this is kind of the opening big fight scene, <clears throat> and then we flash forward to the 1970s. And the 1970s, John Goodman is in charge of a small section of the government that's in charge of looking for weird and obscure parts of, of Earth that no one really believes exist. He's basically considered a crackpot by most everybody in the government. And Goodman convinces a senator to give him funding to go out to this island where they've 
put together some satellite images and they believe that there are some strange things afoot. Goes out to the island, takes this whole army group with him. Uh, the army group is led by Samuel L. Jackson. In the process, they wind up uh, finding King Kong and all these helicopters wind up attacking him and King Kong is defending them and killing everybody. Half the you know, army is already dead, and those that survive are trying to recollect themselves and make their way to the north end of the island where they can get out in three days' time because there's a, a, a refueling crew that's going to come pick them up. Uh, while they're there on the island, they're trying to escape King Kong, and they run into John C. Riley, who is the pilot from the 1940s who had fought off this Japanese guy and then uh, also befriends a lot of the the locals who live on this island and find out that John C. Riley, kind of a crazy comic relief character, he is uh, he kind of reveals all of the background of the island. And actually, King Kong is not a bad guy. He's a good guy. He defends the island from all of these nasty lizard-like creatures, and he's their ultimate protector. So the... the am I missing anything? No, you're doing great. All right, so the... The, the whole group has to get out of there and try to make their way to the North Island. They do, and of course, the big nasty lizard that's the biggest of all the lizards makes their way out of the island, hell underground, and starts fighting King Kong, and they're all trying to run and escape, and they keep thinking that they're, they've beaten him, and then, of course, King Kong comes and saves the day. And that's pretty much it. Good job. All right. And then, yeah. you know, a few people are able to escape. We end with this really kind of expected yet sappy and, and kind of funny, uh, uh, not flash forward, but like a denouement of John C. Riley's character finally coming home after you know, however, what, 30 something years of being away at, at World War II. He finally comes home and his wife and his son are waiting for him and like, oh, he's here. Okay, so that's well, pretty much the plot. They waited a long time for they him. They certainly did. Hmm. And he deserved that beer that he had at the final scene there and yeah just kicking it back and just relax a little bit the good wife was waiting for him yeah now yeah. let's talk about it. what did you think of the movie ira i thought it was i thought it was a um a good monster movie yeah and that's what it was it certainly was a, it's a trite phrase to say a popcorn movie but it was a popcorn movie i think it delivered with the special effects the mm-hmm. cgi it was solid and you got what you wanted that's what i thought of it hmm. i disagree i know I know. I could tell. I can tell by your body language. Yeah, I didn't... The movie wasn't bad. Um, I don't know. A lot of these monster movies, I feel like they... Okay, what I did like about this film is that I I like that they were trying something different. Uh, You know, setting the film in the Vietnam War and trying to almost make it kind of a throwback to these uh, older films. They certainly were making references to other films, uh, Apocalypse Now, for example. And you, you, I think, even kind of made a quick mention of that after we saw the film. Right, I think we were kind of hit over the head with that reference. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the helicopters and things like that. Right. But you know what? That was Vietnam. That is what we, what we see in Vietnam is those helicopters and those, the, those kinds of images, the, the soldiers all in the rice paddy field and things like that. And we got a lot of that in this film. But they were doing some things that I don't even know if you were aware of, but there's, there's some internet memes that I don't know how aware of you are of these internet memes, but there were actually shots in the film that they were trying to make reference to, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. For example, do you know this internet meme of Arthur's Fist? 
Have no. you seen that? No. There's a character named, uh, there's a cartoon named Arthur. Do you, do you know Arthur? It's like a, it's a kid's show. And there's a, um, there's a real famous meme where Arthur clinches his fist. And it's just a shot of this cartoon character clenching his fist. And the meme has become, every time somebody gets upset, they, they'll show this like clenched fist off to the side. Like, I'm going to you know, punch somebody. And there were about, do you remember this? There were probably about three or four shots in the movie where King Kong had this clenched fist. And everybody kept clenching their fists. And I think that was really, like, it was kind of an homage almost to this Arthur's clenched clenched fist meme. And I noticed that it, it was done so often that it didn't seem like an accident. It seemed very, like... I mean, if it was a coincidence, it was a wild coincidence that it, 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 this phenomenon has happened lately. And King Kong really started to kind of lay in line with that. Right. But if this reference is going to made, this homage, if you will, and it's so obscure that few people get it, if anyone... I don't think it is obscure. I, I it's think, not obscure? I, I think oh. the vast majority of the film-going Got audience okay. will miss it. But some people who are aware of that meme are seeing it and going, oh, my gosh. In comedy, they call that a one-percenter. So one percent of your audience gets that joke, and they love it. And they remember it because you're speaking a very specific language. And I think that's what they were doing. It doesn't mean I'm not hip. You're saying that. I mean, I, you're not hip, but no, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> no, I just, I, I had a feeling that's not, that's not your universe. I don't right, think you're right. up to snuff with latest memes and, you know, like what, what, what all the 20-year-olds are posting. What the 20-year-olds are posting? <laughs> I, yeah, I, that's, that. Is that your peaks, wheelhouse? That piques my interest. <laughs> I'd rather see that instead of Arthur making a clenched fist. But that's what the twenty-year-olds are posting oh. is Arthur's clenched fist. Then I'm not hip. Yeah, you don't care. Um, there's also. <clears throat> do you remember the scene where they run through the graveyard, the bone graveyard? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was something else. There's another meme that's been happening a lot, and um, it's it's a really interesting uh, subculture of people that put on masks. And there's a uh, smoke company called, um, I think it's uh, Enola Gay USA or something like that. But they basically make these smoke bombs, these colored smoke bombs. And people go around and they'll put on um, different colored masks, especially gas masks. And they'll pop these smoke grenades and they'll take really cool pictures of themselves in some sort of urban setting or something like that. That's a, that's a whole photography subculture. And I noticed in this film, I don't know if you remember, but they... they throw some smoke grenades up and in a way to kind of cover themselves uh, and, and sneak in to, you know, kill those lizards in the bone graveyard scene. And the guy throws on a gas mask and is running through with the sword, chopping at people with this gas mask on. And then immediately as soon as he runs to the gas, he takes the gas mask off. It was really only for those shots. And that had to have been an homage to this like whole subculture of, the smoke with the gas mask and a lot of um, Asian uh, weaponry and things like that. So there's definitely some really cool homages to other, other elements outside of King Kong. The problem with that is it becomes very dated. Like the whole film become, became dated in a way. Like it wasn't, even though they were setting it in 1974, it really became 2017. Right, right. Because these are current memes that are happening and certain subcultures of, of, 
of um, America that I think most people miss. I don't think most people got it. I think most people are just like, oh, it's just a guy with a gas mask running through clouds of smoke. But it really is a, a painting and homage to this whole subculture. Hmm. I think it's almost too smart for its own good. Yeah? I think it's almost a self-conscious attempt to uh, say, aren't we hip? Aren't we smart? Let's see who in the audience gets this. Well, I... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, rather than a film standing on its own merit. And I get the homage thing, and I like... I like the subtle hints. Mm -hmm. And again, we were hit over the head with the references to, well, going down the river and Heart of Darkness. But more than Heart of Darkness, it was Apocalypse Now and the way it was shot with the helicopter scenes and the music, the 70s psychedelic music that was blaring in the background. We get it. We get it. Uh, There was a lot of references to that. Uh, There I felt we were being hit over the head And we've seen that before, too, right? We've seen that so many times in other films. that, And I know what you're saying, uh, you know, like what's the uh, what's the run through the jungle song? Uh, is it John Fogarty? Mm. Isn't that John Fogarty? Running through the jungle. You know that song. Yeah, right? I know that song. That's Fogarty, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think. We'll let one of our listeners respond to that <laughs> next week. <laughs> but he uh, like that. Uh, you hear that a lot in those kind those kinds of songs in these movies. But I feel like that's because that was the music they were listening to. Did the movie have to take place in the seventies? It was didn't. there a profound need for that to work? No. Instead of contemporary? So I wonder why that choice was made. I, I do think it kind of makes it cool, though. Do you? Yeah, I liked it. I dug it. You didn't? I, I don't know why it took place in the 70s, unless there was an organic need for that. But That's true. Do you think that it becomes a war movie? At a certain point, because there are soldiers, and it, but they're battling a creature. I right. mean, is that a war movie, in a sense, or no? Huh. I can see why you would think it would be, but I'm not sure if it fits the traditional definition of what yeah. a war movie, what yeah. war movie Maybe is. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you jump. were talking before about the way that, you know, the, the CG and things like that. Yeah. Didn't you think it was solid special effects? It was. Didn't you get what you the, wanted to get? It's That's what the too movie was. much. It's... Well, it's it's always these shots of um, you know the, the lizard creature and King Kong and just all of it's it's so CG and it just feels like it's it's so unreal you know like Brie Larson is in King Kong's hand the entire time and you know like as he's fighting and it just, it just I guess it feels like too much too much CG mm-hmm. I yeah. <laughs> Samuel Jackson Yeah, let's talk about him He used to be cool Yeah, he's not anymore has Are you become, over him? Has he become like a cartoon of himself? No, that's kind of true We don't see Samuel Jackson Changing very much yeah, in, his, yeah, in his roles Yeah, But do you feel like that's kind of what we expect Out of a Samuel Jackson movie We're just we're wanting to see him be him I thought he was more cool 15 years ago when he did Jackie Brown, he was right, a little different. Right, do you remember right. that? Of course, I did. Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah. And you know, in this movie, he he did do something interesting, which is that at the beginning of the movie, you know, he hates on King Kong and he's like basically trying to get revenge. And at at first, we're like, "Yeah, man, go! You should avenge your soldiers." But as we start to realize that King Kong is actually protecting the island instead of trying to um, destroy the island, he starts. You know, Samuel Jackson starts to become the villain. And I'm always interested in that with characters who change from hero to villain within, mm-hmm. a, within a film. I mean, that was, I, I, again, I always talk about the founder. 
that's what Michael Keaton did. Um, that's what we see a lot in um, in Taxi Driver. That's what we see in a lot of these like really cool films where you've got a character who starts out as a hero and then by the end is is villainous. And I think Samuel Jackson did a little bit of that in this movie. I have a question to you yeah. about monster movies in general. It feels like in a lot of ways... I mean, I like the fact that they're putting it on this island because nobody cares if a bunch of rocks topple over. But a lot of these movies, like Godzilla and things like that, they're always fighting in the city. Right. Did you find it refreshing that this whole movie took place on Skull Island? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. And I guess one of my question to you is, though, is does that take you out? Like, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the Transformers movies or, you know, or Godzilla, but it just seems like they fight so much... Uh, you know, Superman and everything else, and they're just destroying these buildings. Right, and, and I'm tired of that too. So I think that was a plus that the whole movie took place on the island. Yeah. Doesn't it, it feel the like the mold I mean, of the previous three Kongs? Well, there's hundreds of thousands of people that are dead, and it's just kind of they like, sweep it under the rug, like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what Godzilla did. He just right. broke up a bunch right. of buildings. Oh, well. Right. And it's, it's like as if the buildings don't have people in them. Right. Right. I remember watching Godzilla. When I was really little, destroying Tokyo, and I felt real sad for all the people Did who you were really? dying in Tokyo. Yeah. You had the empathy? trains and the buildings and all these people were being smushed. <laughs> what? What did, what did you say, Ryan? I said you had empathy? Well, <laughs> I mean, you were talking about the first original Godzilla. Yes, the one with Raymond Burr. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a strong reaction to that about all these th- what, what, thousands of innocent people. What was your reaction to it? I felt just, sad that they're all dying. Um, and again, I think that's a plus for this particular film that it did all take place. It, with the other three Kong movies, he went to New York. Mm-hmm. This is the one where he did and they stayed on the island. Yeah. I think that switch works. Um, did you see the last King Kong, the one with Jack Black? Yeah, I was going to mention the previous three. Yeah, the previous, the first one, of course, was 1933. Right. And then... Uh, night, have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. Well, I don't know. I was going to you know how a running thing here with you, Robert, that I say I'm a little bit older than you, so I saw these movies when they first appeared in the theater. <laughs> well, no, that is not true with King Kong in 1933. I did not see that you, in the theater. You, you saw it when it came I out saw on paper. I saw it came back. In- <laughs> 1976, we had the one with uh, Jessica Lange. Okay. A great yep. piece of trivia with this. And this is a true story that Meryl Streep often tells that uh, she auditioned. Mm-hmm. She auditioned for the 1976 version, and they were speaking. The production producers were Italian. And in front of Meryl Streep, they said, not knowing she could speak Italian, she's not pretty enough. And she knew what they were saying, and she took the subway home in New York, and it just shot through her that she wasn't pretty enough to be in the 1976 version. How about that? Wow. I, I uh, had she heard that story. I didn't realize it was King Kong. She, yes. Yeah, she tells that story a lot. Uh, and, of course, 2005, we had uh, the, third, the third installment. Have you seen all three? Yes, yes. So which of no. those was your favorite? The th- well, the, well, favorite is a funny word. And later on, we should mention, we're going to springboard this into our five favorite monster films of all time. Right. So if I answer your question, I might be giving We never away. talk about the top five at the beginning we of the should, show. We always we forget to do that. My bad. Robert, tell us what the theme is after we talk about this movie. Favorite movies. Favorite uh, movies about mon- monster Fucking, movie. let me try it one more time. Favorite top five monster movies. Right. So if I'm going to answer your question... My favorite one was the first one in 1933, and I'm giving that away a little bit early. That is among my top five favorite monster movies of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. And again, so much of this is what was going on with us 
when we first saw the movie, mm-hmm. uh, our perception, how old we were, the effect it had on us, and so on. But um, then I would rank the uh, the second to last one, the one in 2005. Mm. That, I thought that was a solid movie. I just hated the last line. I mean, Jack, I just don't... Jack Black seems like a really nice guy, but his acting always just feels forced. And twas beauty that killed the beast. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, we kind of expected someone to say that. An homage, if you will, to the yeah, first movie. Yeah, but it was just his, his delivery. I know. I don't think he can act very well. No, but in School of Rock. Oh, he was great in that movie. That because film. that required love him to that be film. over the top. It was written for him. Right. The script was written for him. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Jack Black's never really blown me away. Right. Right. But what do you think about monster movies in general? I mean, I guess what I'm saying, kind of what I was saying before about them killing so many people. Um, you know, some of the other monsters, Godzilla, as we know, has done like Mothra and Godzilla versus King Kong and things like that. And doesn't it seem, okay, does it seem like all these derivatives, are they, they're obviously going back to this well that works. And we see that a lot in today's cinema. But do you feel like as well, like with King Kong versus Godzilla, for example, I mean, you're basically taking a monster to fight a monster. I guess I always get frustrated as to why the hell don't we just shoot them? I mean, we have these like A-10 warthogs or, you know, whatever, these like crazy uh, military uh, planes and and guns that could just rip through all sorts of, you know, multi-layered armor and they can't kill King Kong, they can't kill Godzilla. I mean, well, then, Robert, there'd be no movie. I understand that. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure you understood that. Oh, yeah. that's how it works. <laughs> General, we can't attack them with this weaponry. We won't have a movie. <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> so I guess, like, I don't know, it always pulls me out when I see that. I'm going, you know, there's a simpler way, right? We could just shoot it. And I think that's what bothered me so much about this King Kong movie was that they probably shot that thing. How many times would you say? Right. Right. Like a million? Probably. I mean, how, first of all, where the hell are they getting all those bullets? But yeah. they shot it so many times and it just, I mean, there was nothing going on with that except for there was a cut on his arm. And it's like after that many bullets, I don't care how big you are, you're going to get hurt. So he's not invincible. Right. Right. Do you like monster movies? In I, you know, and the bigger question is, why are these movies popular? Why do people flock to see them? Mm. What does that say about us? Um, I like monster movies, I suppose. It's not necessarily my favorite genre, but if it's done well, mm. sure. I suppose. Well, I think it's my least favorite. Because that's I kind of what I'm saying, too. I think too. it's my least favorite. It's definitely one of my least favorite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, they're so formulaic, and... I guess other movies are as well. And, you know, we just got through last week talking about the structuralism of Westerns and those are formulaic and we know how those are going to end up. Um, but I guess because they're to me a lot more personal, I feel like that there's a personality involved mm-hmm. with the monster movies. There doesn't seem to be much of a personality. Mm-hmm. There's just a bunch of growling and, uh, everyone running and shrieking and I don't get enough of a personality involved. Right. Right. And I think that's what I did like about this movie is that John C. Riley had a little bit of he, he personality. It, yes. Yeah, it was the most textured, the most dimensional. Well, character. I mean, it, it was cartoony, but it, there was something there. But it was there. more fun. There was yeah. layers. There were some layers going yeah. on within that cartoon. Well, right. him trying to get back to his family. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's a yeah. little more grounded. Right. But we don't have that with 
the monster, mm-hmm. and um, and then a lot of the other you know, peripheral characters in this movie uh, in Skull Island, they were just very one dimensional. It was just I'm the researcher, I'm the soldier, I'm this guy, and I might be this kind of soldier, but I mean, the, the most of the characters didn't seem to have a lot of right. But you know, it's interesting you're saying that, and as far as being more sympathetic for the toward the monster, and of all four of these Kong movies, I think the first one displayed that the most. I think you're right. And and that really brought it home. And I, I remember, not to belabor the point, but when I did see it when I was like nine years old on a black and white TV, and when it ended, I started crying. Really? I started crying because the monster was good. Yeah. And it was us, it was humankind, who were exploiting right. the monster by bringing it to New York City. And that ending was really powerful stuff. It was Beauty that killed the beast. But besides his wanting somebody who was pretty... Who doesn't? But besides that, it was the capitalism. It was the exploiting. This is getting cathartic. And, I know. And bringing it to New York. And we were the bad guys, not Kong. Yeah. And it really brought that point home. In that movie, more than the other three, I think that it was most powerful and it was the easiest to feel empathy for the monster. That's an interesting point. It is I, an interesting think, point. And I think, too, I mean, the special effects for the time in the 1930s, I mean, that's I some state-of-the-art special effects at the time. Yeah. But you're giving away one of my top five, so... Well, you were to give it away. I know I did. I know. So we should, what so. about other films, uh, more modern films, monster movies like Cloverfield? Have you seen Cloverfield before? I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen it all the way through. Mm. And... Um, you, you want, do you know the premise of like the gimmick is that you never see the main right. character? He's, it's all like his video recordings of that sure. night running around, and uh, and I don't. I think you only see the monster in passing or mm-hmm. something like that. Right. But, um, and I thought that was that was interesting because it wasn't about the monster. It was really about survival. It was about again the, you got to see characters it was about and, the people, not the monster, and. With your imagination, you can fill in the gaps. Right. And most likely, you will come up with something much better than any CGI artist could come up with. Right. It's what's inside the viewer, and that's what makes that movie work so well. Well, and this gets starts getting into other types of monsters. You know, you're talking about your mind being more powerful. Uh, when you th- look at other monster movies like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the when Leatherface uh, very famously takes the... The girl, uh, there's a scene where he takes a girl and puts her on a meat hook. Do you know this scene mm-hmm. that I'm talking about? Sure. Hangs her on a meat hook and shows the main guy picking the girl up, picking her in the air. It sh- cuts to a shot of the meat hook, and then she comes down on it. But you never see the meat hook go into her body. But everyone marries those things in their mind, and you feel like you saw it. You feel like you saw it penetrate her, but you never actually do. Right. And, um, and same thing with, um, with Psycho, the shower scene. Uh, there's only, I think, just a couple of frames where there's a knife um, on her skin. And most of that is sound effects and just this marriage in our minds. Absolutely. I can give you an example from the very beginning of Jaws. The most compelling shark attack of a human in that film was the one at the very beginning. It was probably the easiest to shoot. No special effects. Mm-hmm. And she was swimming by herself, being yanked underwater. Yeah. We didn't need to see anything else. We filled in the gaps. And I think we're starting to stumble onto part of the, my frustration with this movie, with Skull Island, was that there was so much Kong. It was everywhere. And I guess that's what I mean when I was talking about too much CG. It's like, mm-hmm. we don't need to see the monster. It's right. actually better off when we don't see the monster. Right. Now, let's open this up. 
Does that reflect our society and the MTV generation? People either being need to be, we know about the rapid fire editing. We all know about that. And that a movie that takes its time, more operatic will lose audience attention. But also do we need to see, uh, do we need to be spoon fed gobs of CGI in order for people to leave the theater feeling satisfied? I think that people, I think the people who are making the film feel think that they, they, that, they that, think that needs that, to happen. But what about the viewers? I don't think that it does. I hope you're right. I, I, I think there's a certain percentage of the population that will, but I don't think that people really change like that. I think I, I find it almost insulting when you say that there's this MTV generation. It just becomes a shorthand to say they have short attention spans. They can't focus on things. Yes, there are people like that, but there are people that are 84 that are like that, and there are people that are 24 that are like that. That's just how people are. Hmm. I don't think that MTV makes people have a shorter attention span. I just I don't believe that. I wow. feel like... I think we disagree on this one, Robert. Yeah, I think that if um, I think today's viewing audience would get restless to watch 2001: Space Odyssey in a theater. I think some might, um, and it is a slow film. That is that that's slow. But it was so compelling in the late '60s, and I think this. I think the. Mm. I think there's been a shift. I mean, I think there's people from the '60s who didn't like that film <laughs> because they felt like it was slow. Right. And and I understand that. I mean, but there's also. There's people now who would like it. You know, I think younger people do like a lot of Kubrick films. And I think they really... I I don't like saying there's this whole group of people, this age of people that just want their, their films to be this way. I do think that the people who made this film were aiming for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was that rapid fire editing. If you go back and watch all of those scenes, this is, I think I've talked about on the podcast before, this, you can feel the editor just trying to tighten up each shot. And did you notice this? You can't count. You can't, one, two, three, four. Yeah, you can't keep count of the different angles. And the pacing of each shot is too fast. It needs just a little more time on the end of that to breathe a little bit. And you just don't get it. I mean, you don't get that time. Uh, one of the things that I, I always upset people whenever we talk about um, war films in particular, um, when Saving Private Ryan came out, not too long after that was Thin Red Line. And I like Saving Private Ryan. Um, it was very fast and kind of, it was the, the popcorn World War II movie. But being juxtaposed with Thin Red Line was really interesting. And for me, I was more drawn towards Thin Red Line. I liked how slow it was. I liked that there were shots. But that's you, Robert. I understand. I know. You're an anomaly. I, you know, I know. We do disagree on this point. I know I sound like an old fart, don't I? I sound like an old fart for suggesting this, that there has been a shift of attention span. Mm. Well, I think that's just a matter of your perspective. Yeah. But I guess, I mean, I know that I'm in the minority of saying that. I think if you right. went around asking people, what's the better war film, Thin Red Lion or Saving Private Ryan, the vast majority of them are going to say... A Saving Private Ryan, right? right. But, um, but I think I I like that films breathe, and I wish that they, I wish that they would start to let films breathe a little bit more, but not necessarily be so long. That means you're gonna have to cut out scenes, you're gonna have to cut out chunks of information, and start to condense your story a little bit. But I think by cutting out a lot of the monster stuff, which studios right. are afraid to do, right. because they're going, but that's what we're selling everybody. You know, you can't have Jaws without a shark. That, that's the kind of thing that they're going to say. But when you go back and look at the num- amount of screen time that Jaws had, uh, there was very little shark, sure. actually. Sure. But you feel that the filmmakers were dummying it down. I think going so. Going for the 
lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And, and I think they are treating this... I think they're making the mistake of treating this the same way that film has been treated historically in that they, they treat it, even like in the 1920s and 30s, they treat it as a film that will come out in theaters and when it's done, it's done. They don't have the longevity. They don't have the, the, the foresight to say this film will be around for generations. Um, and I do feel like there are some exceptions to that back in the 1930s. I think Wizard of Oz, I feel like they made that film saying this will stand the test of time. Right. People will want to see this over and over and over right. again. And I think that's kind of what I'm saying with all these memes that Skull Island is throwing in. They're really trying to appeal to the popular cultural mores that are happening in our society now, as opposed to um, like the, having a, a film that stands for itself for a longer period of time. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Sure, it does. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. I would like to bring up, uh, perhaps it's more of a personal issue for me, these um, rebooting, yeah. reinventing, reimagining, re-anything, this, the franchise. And I, perhaps what's interesting here is I might have liked the movie just a little bit more than you did. Yeah, I think you did. Um, but I pull back and question, why was it even made? Mm. Why was it even made? And I had such a strong re- reaction to The Magnificent Seven last year yeah. when it was remade. And just leave these classics alone. And obviously, it's the franchise, and it's the name, and it's going to make money. That's yeah. the answer, because it's a business. And I get that. But too bad with what they're capable of doing with CGI that we don't have a really smart movie with some nifty effects to supplement it. Yeah, I, and that's the problem is I think... It wasn't smart. It wasn't as clever as it could have been. Right. I had heard on an, an interview somewhere that I think it was the director was saying that he didn't want to shoot this movie and basically was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll throw him a really shitty pitch and just like something wacky and off the wall and if they go for it. And they actually went for it because he didn't want to shoot the film. And then uh, they gave it to him and he was kind of going, oh, wow. Okay, well, I guess we'll do it that way then. You know, and like I think he was even surprised that they went for it. And, um, and I wish they had taken some more time. If they're going to do this, let's do it right. And I'm sure they felt like they were doing it right, but I don't characters breathe. Yeah. I had such a strong reaction. Like I said, last year to magnificent. So I didn't see it. I wouldn't go see it. And I hear it was a good movie. Mm. Although the ending was quite a, a bloodbath. It was quite violent in the last 20 minutes, but that it was a solid film, but just calling it that. And again, maybe it's an age thing. The fact that I have such fond memories of the original one if they ever remake The Great Escape, that's it. I'm checking out. <laughs> if, they would, if they would touch that movie and reinvent that film, I think certain classics are just leave them alone and let them So be. you're, you're going to grab your exit bag? That's and it. I'm out of here. Put it over your head I'm and I'm out of here. I give up. Yeah. Yeah. You know they're working on a... No. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the grocery bag. <laughs> Tie it up around your neck. Um, you know what else... John Goodman is starting to look thin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. Oh, he lost a lot of weight, didn't he? Yeah, and thank goodness. I was thinking about this um, after the uh, after the movie. Um, I've been talking to my brother about it, and thank goodness John Goodman is taking care of himself because I, he really is a national treasure. That guy's been in some great films. He's been in some very important films, and he's just turned out some really good, strong performances in almost everything. And I, I start to think about like John Candy and how many great films we lost from John Candy. Like oh, him being dead is 
obviously a tragedy, but it's also a tragedy for lost art. Like we don't get the chance to see John Candy films. And man, I would, I, if that happened to John Goodman, I'd be really upset. Right. And uh, I think I might've even said that on this podcast earlier when um, I, I think we reviewed it before you started hosting, but John Goodman's been losing a lot of weight. I think we saw him in, um, what was the, the Boston bomber, uh, Boston marathon bombing mm-hmm. movie. And, um, and in that, that movie, he was looking really good as well. And I think I was saying the same thing then of like, you know, he just, John Goodman is really starting to take care of himself and I'm so happy he's not dead. That's very sweet of you, Robert. That's compassionate. Robert? Well, when... Are you okay? <laughs> There's other people I wish would die. But, you know, John Goodman's not one of them. Yeah, yeah. Same with, you know, with Bill Paxton. Nobody wants to see Bill Paxton die. Right. Or Bill Pullman, whoever it is. I get him, or, you know, like, get them confused. Yeah, same guy. Yeah, they are the same guy. Same person. Yeah. Vanilla. <laughs> I'm sorry. We shouldn't speak ill about the dead. Hmm. But... We're not. We're talking ill about whoever survived. Good point. <laughs> well, what else do you think about this movie? Any That's it. I, I kept saying popcorn movie, summer film. Yeah, it gave us what the viewers wanted. Would you, I mean, if it wasn't for this podcast, would you have seen this movie? No. No? No. But you felt good about it before. I, I, I'm glad I saw it. It did what it was supposed to, but it didn't. It, it's why was it made other than the obvious reason to make money? But uh, let's come up with something fresh. Right. We're at a point with CGI that they can show us anything, mm-hmm. truly show us anything. And I, I think it's getting to be more and more seamless. You know the what they can't show us with CGI? Uh, character a, development. A good and, film. And a good film and breathing. Yeah. Just pausing. Yeah. 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 And I, okay, so if you were to give this movie a letter grade. Right. Um, I mean, I'd probably give it like a C. I was, you'd give it a C plus. C and minus, I'd give it maybe. A B, and I'd give it a B minus. B minus? Yeah. All it right. It did what it should do. That's it. But um, I like the first one more. You like the first one more? Yeah. Yeah. Per, I like per, you more. Aw, uh, Robert. <laughs> There's something to what? What are you gonna say? Poor Meryl Streep. Poor Meryl Streep. Can you imagine? You know those Italian producers. I forgot their names, and they 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 did the. Was it Mario and Luigi? They were like brothers. They were they were two brothers. Yeah, and they, Mario and Luigi. They were plumbers. They were. I know what you're referencing right now. Stop it. But uh, it was the 19th and they. And I'll right give you a dollar if you can tell me what I'm referencing right now. Your uh, 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 the Mario Brothers pot. My frog. What were you referencing? Uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, it's a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I get it. Yeah, you get 50 cents. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Being told she's not pretty enough right in front of her. They'd be so lucky to have gotten hey, her Luigi, that film. <laughs> this girl, she's got a big nose. Oh, man. That's so great. So may, hopefully this will be the last of the Kongs. 1933, 1976, 2005, 2017. Do you really think this Enough. is the last of the no, Kongs? No, I don't. No. no, because it's already in the works. There was even a hint. Spoiler alert. At the very end of the movie we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Stay for the ending credits. Yeah. You'll hear and Kong and you'll hear... Godzilla. Say, Godzilla. Let out a yell. So And they're, they're in the process of putting these two together. So it'll be a, a fifth Kong. I love... The Godzilla character. And I don't know why, but I've always thought Godzilla was really interesting. Um, even though I know I just got done telling, saying that that's my problem with all of these movies, that there's no character to it. But 
Um, I just love Godzilla. The idea of this, this dragon's like, I'll, I'll fuck well, you all just your like shit it because it's eating all of Japan. <laughs> and it's because you don't like the Japanese people. And that's why you love the movie. Come on. I uh, can't stand the Japanese yeah. people. You've got me. I actually like Japanese people. Have you ever been to Tokyo? Uh, I've been in the airport in Japan. You know why you've never been out in Tokyo? Why? Because it doesn't exist. Godzilla killed it all. Uh, Let's talk about top five. All right. So uh, top five movie <coughs> monsters. I'd like you to go first. You want this. me to go first? Yeah. Now, top the t- movie monsters. And before you go first. Okay. Um, we didn't give it an adjective. Are we talking about the top five most frightening, most horrifying, mm. best? Mm. We both didn't do that. We just said favorite. So it's a funny word, and I, I perhaps if we had modified it and used one of those other descriptive words, I would have changed mine. But I'm curious. Let's go to in order. I'd like you to start with your fifth. Well, and you can throw in some extra bonuses like I always do. Okay. <laughs> I might have one and then yeah. I can throw it. Yeah. Uh, but when we talk about this, I guess we should at least discuss now, is it possible, like, I mean, how loose are we going with this? Like, would, would Freddy Krueger be considered a right. monster? Right. Does a monster have to be big like Kong? And I, I think that Freddy's fine if you were to include him. Okay. Uh, I think it can be a, a human size and shape. And it could, that person could still be a monster. Okay. So we'll go broad in our definition. All right. Well, um, first up, oh, let me give you my extra scoop of ice cream yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you like this. These I are, have about seven scoops. Oh, I'm sure you do. I know. Um, one of the films that I like a lot uh, with a bunch of little monsters is Gremlins. And I'm going to throw in there Gremlins 2. I love Gremlins 2. It's where it starts getting crazy and slapsticky and really dumb funny. And I like it. Uh, you know, the first Gremlins is, is fun for sure, and there's a lot of uh, cute little moments. But Gremlins 2 is where the, you start getting these really interesting, wacky characters. It almost reminds me of, of like Bugs Bunny characters, where you get these like kind of <laughs> so silly Gremlins that have a lot of personality to it. And they, you could tell that the filmmakers were just having fun with the idea. So my extra scoop of ice cream would be Gremlins and Gremlins 2. I think those are fun movies. Have you seen those? I agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. But. Drum roll, please. For my number five. Number five is. Alien. I love Alien. The first one. The first one. Uh, Because I don't feel like the second one really is a monster movie. I feel like it's an action movie. um, And. And maybe you could argue that the third one was a monster movie, but the, the really the the first one is a monster movie for sure. It's they're, they're being hunted. Um, And. I, I got to tell you, there was a movie that I left off this list that it reminds me of Alien, but I left it off the list because I don't think it's truly a monster. But uh, did you ever see The Grey with Liam Neeson? No. The wolf movie? And they, they were just wolves. They were gray wolves. So I feel like that wasn't a monster. I don't feel like that's fair to say that that's a monster, but it reminded me a lot, you know, Alien and uh, and The Grey, that reminded me this, they're like being hunted slowly. And... Um, and I feel like the gray fit a lot of those same kind of criteria, but I, I, I can't really get in line with that being a monster movie. Those are great kind of uh, similar hunting movies, I guess. Nice okay. choice. What about you? Nice choice. Did you like Alien? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw it at a screening with a Q&A with the writers. Oh, yeah? Yep, I did. And um, you know the, about the whole... 
alien bursting from the chest, and they weren't all I the actors told weren't. You that yeah, story? Did right. I, I think we even said it on the podcast. Maybe, yeah. And they couldn't. How do we get it on the ship? How do we get it on the ship? Yeah, they had the idea, and they met at Denny's. Said, "I've got it. Meet me there now." Comes out, yeah. Oh, when you're talking about on the set where they didn't tell the other actors. Yes, that's what you're referencing, right? And right. also how they weren't going to cast, um, you know, a female as Ripley. It how was about supposed that? To be a male. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. What, what was the alien? The um, design Geiger was that the yeah Adrian yeah, Geiger yeah yeah. Good yeah. a lot of the design. Okay, what's your number five? Monster movies. First, a few little scoops of ice cream. All just right. they're tiny scoops, and it was just fun to brainstorm and jot these down at two and three in the morning for the last five days or mornings. Uh, Young Frankenstein and the the Blob, the original mm-hmm. with Steve McQueen, right? And that was real powerful. Seeing that in the theater when it first came out, I still remember the very very end where it says the end, and it puts a question mark up on the screen. Right. And coming home and telling my parents, and it had a question mark. You get it? Like maybe it's not dead. And, and that's very good. Okay. <laughs> but I just remember those moments. Go to sleep, Ira. American Werewolf in London, Bride of Frankenstein, uh, Godzilla. There's a cool movie called Embryo. It's an obscure movie, but it does have a cult-like following huh. with Rock Hudson and Roddy McDowell. And um, and the, the last scoop of ice cream I want to mention is, is I almost put this in my top five, and mm-hmm. I shifted last minute, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. And again, if we're going for most horrifying, no, but it was sure enjoyable with Audrey too, the plant eating right. people. I almost had that in my top five, but I didn't. All right, Having but you're number that, five Okay, those is... are my scoops. Number five, and I think we spoke about this in a previous podcast, Forbidden Planet. And right. it's the monster of the id. Uh, you really don't see it. It was a Disney animators that put the red lines that were all over the screen, and you saw its footprints as it was walking in the, in the, in the dirt. Uh, it was a real smart movie, 1956. And the, the whole premise that we are the monsters, mm-hmm. we are the evil ones. And it was it was such a well-made movie, and the monster was only in for like the last 15 minutes of the film. But it was it was my fifth favorite monster movie, even though it's not a monster film. It's obviously a sci-fi yarn, mm-hmm. but I would put that down as um, as number five. You mentioned something just now that I hadn't even thought of in years and years and years. Uh, there was a a movie, you, you just kind of reminded me of a movie that my brother and I used to watch when we were kids, uh, and it, it was called Green Slime, and it was like this 1970s uh, shitty, almost a B-movie, and I remember they had a great theme song, like, Green Slime! And then I, I hadn't even thought about that movie until you just mentioned this one. Um, Forbidden Planet? Forbidden jogged Planet. Jogged your memory on Green Slime? It, it just jogged my memory, yeah. 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 Okay, so my number four... My number four is a 1956 movie that, that I'm sure you've seen called Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh. And talk about another movie where you don't monster, really see the monster. A monster movie? Yeah, I think so, because they are body snatchers. Colonel Pickering, was that his name? Colonel, oh, remember he would yell that, that the sand. But it the was, sand going, wow. It was uh, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. And... You, do you remember this? Like, he slowly starts to realize that everyone has been replaced. And it's, you know, a total metaphor for the McCarthy era of, uh, of politics where, you know, the people are being taken over by communism and, and things like that. And, and, um, and it's a great movie. It holds up really, really well. The last, I, I believe it's the last shot. It's been a few years since I've seen it. But the last shot where he's running down the street screaming for everyone, screaming for help. Do you remember this? Well, now you're talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah. Or, oh, somehow I thought you said Invasion. 
Usually I'm on invasion of the body snatchers. Okay, I'm okay. I'm paying attention. Have you been snatched? No. I'm are, a pod person. Are you a pod person? I'm not of this earth. <laughs> You're not even smiling as you say that. Yes, what did you think I was talking about? You just Invaders you were... from Mars. Oh. For some reason, when I heard invasion, I just went to Invaders from Mars. I okay, see. all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. The McCarthy era. Yeah. And you know how the Hayes Commission. Yes. And how they were forced to... I'm sorry, you talk. Now you're on the same oh, page. Oh, I'm on me. the same one. Yeah. They had to go back and put in some new footage. Did they? They sure did. The I entire movie that. was a flashback. I'm sorry, Robert. I know this is yours and I'm yanking it away Please. from you. But what I they love had, when you do that. They, what they wanted was... This was when the government had a lot of power uh-huh. with censorship and so on. And uh, being an allegory for the McCarthy era that um, they added a scene where they finally believe Kevin McCarthy, and the doctor picks up the phone and says, get me the FBI. Mm -hmm. They finally believe him. That was not in the original cut. They went back and added that Ah, to bookend it to soften it. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It is a little confusing that we're talking about the McCarthy era and the lead actor of a movie that is representative of that That, is named McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, I always had a hard time with that. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah. But they have nothing to do with one another. All right. Well, what's your number four? Nice choice. Thank you. You know, there were actually three additional sequels. There were four movies of that. Well, they did a remake. Was it a remake, kind of? I mean, I don't think it was a sequel, but the one with Donald Sutherland. The one with Donald Sutherland taking place in San Francisco was brilliant. Yeah, it really is That was a real strong movie. The end where he comes out and... Sorry, you're not looking. Pointing, and the camera goes into his mouth, and that's the cut to black. Yeah. Good. It's good. Nice choice. Both of those movies hold up really well. Yeah. Um, uh, the second one is, is a good escape movie where you're trying to get away from the... I mean, it's a little bit more obvious of the pod people. I think the first one is a little more psychological. It's a little bit more, is this happening? Is this guy going crazy? But the, uh, the remake, the 1970s remake, is, is a little bit more, okay, it's definitely happening. We've got to get the fuck out of here. Right. Believe it or not, Nicole Kidman starred in one. They called it the Invaders or the Invasions. Oh, I it was know yep, that. yep. Google that, everyone, and um, it's the same story. It's the same basic story. Huh. And she did that about I don't know, twelve years ago or something. Nice choice. Thank you. For my number four, mm-hmm. you're going to send me home. Okay. And we're going to. Oh, um, brother, here lose we go. A lot of listeners. Okay. And I thought about this. Debbie I Dallas over this. And I decided, screw it. No, I actually decided, fuck it. I'm putting it in. Our top five favorite horror movies. Number four. Monster movies. Number four, Elephant Man. Now wait a minute. No, you just wait a minute. I knew you were going to do this. Now wait a minute. No, 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 shush. This is my turn. He's a monster. It's a monster movie. He's not a monster. Yes, he is. He's a human being. (laughs) John Hurt, Joseph Eric. Uh, it was a David Lynch movie after he did Eraserhead, which maybe we'd include. That would be an interesting choice, Eraserhead. And it was shot in black and white. Hey, at least I'm not saying mask with share. Mm. You know, don't think that didn't cross my mind. And I knew you were going to give me this look. I knew you were going to give me this look. He's but, a human being. That's the whole point. Well, that is the point. But actually, he looks like a monster. Do you feel that that's an invalid selection? I, I vacillated on this. And then I decided, fuck it, I'm putting it as my number four. I think you're stretching a little bit too far. Yeah. We'll let our listeners decide. I guess so. All right. Well, my number three. You ready for it? Yeah. My number three. Halloween 2. 2. And here's why. 
first of all, I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid. My brother recorded it, um, and we had it on videotape, and it scared the fuck out of me. It was one of the first like slasher films I saw when I was a kid, and uh, scared me. And I, it's still one of those movies that it scared me so much as a kid that. As an adult, I still have a little bit of a hard time watching it by myself. It's a little creepy for me. I could do it, but I don't prefer it. That's wow. a, it's so ingrained that I, I can't really get around it. Now, in the first film, uh, in the first Halloween, Michael Myers is definitely human. And then it's at the very end that they shoot him. He falls out off the balcony, and they go down to, you know, to look at his body, and he's gone. And it's the first sign of, like, well, where did he go? But he's still human. By the second movie, I think he crosses over into a monster because he's shot, he's blown up, he keeps coming on and keeps coming back. You can't kill him. And that, to me, is where he crosses the line over into monster. So before, it was just a, a murderer, a psycho brother, but now it's, it, he crosses over into monster. There's some great tension in this movie, too. Uh, some really great scenes where... Jamie Lee Curtis is climbing through the window and Michael Myers is very slowly walking towards her with this knife and slashing at her feet and, and just narrowly missing her. She's trying to get into the elevator. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. And she, yeah. she's trying to press the buttons and he's very slowly walking towards her and the elevator doors won't close fast enough. It's great tension. It's, I mean, it's everything that you want out of a slasher movie. There's gratuitous sex that, of course, you've got to have. And, um, and he's... It, it, to me, it's like the perfect slasher flick. It it's so good. It's got the fear of hospitals playing into it very organically. It picks up right where the previous movie left off, so it's still Halloween night. And it, this whole aftermath of like, okay, here's part two. Here's what happened. We're just gonna pick right up where we stopped. Uh, so to me, I really like that element. I thought that was really cool. And there's a, a lot of really neat references to the first film uh, in the second film. So I I don't know. I really liked Halloween too. I thought nice it was choice. Great. Nice choice. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about our list so far? Number one, we haven't overlapped, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, none of the films we've mentioned so far are about a big, gigantic, hulking monster. Mm. That is that true? So yeah, so far. That's so far. So far. Yeah, that's true. So far. I'm going to change that. Uh, are you? Yeah. Oh, spoiler alert. All right. Uh, for number three, um, uh, Invaders from Mars. No, just kidding. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> number three. You mean Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah, I knew you were going to correct me on that one. I knew you were going to correct me on that. Uh, my number three is a film that we did speak about a moment ago, briefly. Jaws. Jaws. Jaws, 1975. Obviously a Spielberg film. Um, incredible editing. The music. Nah, 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 the John Williams infamous. The, that scores inside our, our psyches. Um, and the, like we already mentioned, that opening scene, which was the most uh, compelling of mm-hmm. all of them, where she's swimming at night, being yanked underwater. Uh, the three of them on the boat at the end with um, you know, the great Robert Shaw and Roy Scheider and, and Richard Dreyfuss. It was a real solid, it was a smart movie. Mm-hmm. It was well done, and I would call that a monster movie. Yeah, would you, for sure. Would you call Absolutely. That a monster movie? Right. So Jaws was. It's, I mean, like, it's no Elephant Man, but no, yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> I, did, I, was, yeah, I couldn't wait to see your expression when I said <laughs> Elephant Man. I hope it didn't disappoint. Uh, my third being Jaws. Okay. My number two, and this is where I think I start to change it over into the big, hulking, um, town-destroying monster. And notice that I say town-destroying and not city-destroying. This is a great movie. It's just so much fun. Tremors. I love that film. 
It's so good. Tremors one, Tremors two, three, one, four, five. Nah, fucking yeah. But it, these are monsters. They, um, what I love about it, and you and I have talked about this before. I love films where they invent a new monster, and Tremors does it. Um, the it's not a remake. It's it's a whole new monster, a whole new set of rules for the monster, and I think that's part of what. I'm frustrated with with King Kong is that they, they can't they come up with a new creature? Do they really need to do King Kong? Um, but Trimmers didn't. They created their own. Kevin Bacon is amazing in this movie. The whole movie is just great. What? And Gross isn't that his name? Michael Gro- the the lead. Uh, which is it? Well, what's his from, name? Uh, you know, from Family Ties. From oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, what's his name? Is I'll it Michael Gross? Nah. Richard. I'll look it up Okay, here. all right. We're looking it up while we do. That's a real nice choice. And you know, Robert, is it fair to say that that film is with a wink? Yes, Fred Ward. That's who it is. No. I th- oh, then Gross came in the sequels. Okay, never mind. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay, he came on the sequel. Um, oh, Michael Gross. That's yeah, who you're Michael thinking Gross. of. Yeah, Michael Gross. So he is there. Okay, yeah, he is good. there. He's in the first one a little bit, yeah. But yeah, he's in the other. It's mainly Fred Ward and right. Kevin Bacon. And it is done with a wink, isn't it? Yeah. Especially the sequels. But that's a, that's a real nice choice. Yeah. What nice. do you got? What's your number two? Number two. The Fly. I not, thought about The Fly. Not the original. Oh. Were you going to go with the 1956? No. 1980s. Good. 1986. Yes. 1986. By the way, the first one was in 1958 with the Help Me. Help Me, Help Me. Yeah. I want to tell you a quick piece of trivia with the the, the one with um, the Cronenberg uh, film with Jeff Goldblum. Right. And it was 1986, yet the ta- the trailers, and I saw that in the theater when it first came out, and the trailers actually had the cry, help me, help me, even though that's not in the film. Uh-huh. So they, they teased a little bit with that. I think that film, The Fly, and again, we're talking about the remake and not the crappy sequels that came out after that. Right. The one with 1986 uh, with Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis, I think it was operatic. The cinematography, the music, the storyline, it was a smart movie. It even had a little bit of humor in it. There there was moments of humor, yes. And it's the best thing. And Jeff Goldblum, who's always been, he's gotten really eccentric lately. I mean, really eccentric. There he was only modern. And Gina Davis, what the hell happened to her? She was... The wheels fell off her wagon, man. What happened to her? She was like a hot, and now she's, well, okay. Sorry, let's get back to the movie. Please. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> but um, I love that film. And, I and again, too. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. And the whole thing with the, um, well, I guess they were called pods, weren't they? Yeah. What was his name, Bro? You were going to put that one down, huh, Robert? I was really thinking about it. I, I, I like think Cronenberg. It was a smart movie. I think Cronenberg makes some really interesting smart movies that are creepy. Uh, Dead Ringers is great, oh, if you've ever things. seen that. Yeah. Um, Scanners. Scanners. Are you in front of Scanners? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But The Fly is his best. That's You're right. And it is operatic. It is opera. It, it just is. Yeah. And it's the um, look of it. And it's sad. You've. I mean, you, you can't help but feel for this guy. And at the same time, it's just like, it, it's so disturbing. And like, yeah, it's a great film. And look how we're talking about what movies need to take their time. Yeah. Look how they took their time with it. Yeah. Where he was getting indications that something was wrong with his body. Yeah. Real subtle, slight things. And then it just built and built and built the tension. It was an incredible Slow burns. And that's the same way Alien was. It's the same way The Shining was. These classic films that, uh, where I I feel like they're, 
they're saying, let's make this film for the, to stand the test of time. That's where you get these slow burns where they're not uh, rushing through anything. They're really trying to take their time and, and, and just build, build, build. Even Halloween, the original Halloween, slow burn. It's right. not this, I mean, they, they have a little kind of creepy thing at the beginning, but that's it. It's just, we're going to take our time with this. So, I mean, just like licking pussy, take your time. <laughs> Asking our listeners to um, watch The Fly, 1986 version. Yeah. It's, it's a smart operatic film. It's uh, my second favorite horror movie of all time. Monster now, movie. Monster movie. Do you think, a side note on this, because the, the mm-hmm. next movie I'm going to bring out Uh-oh. is also from the 80s. Oh, no, I know where you're going. Go now, ahead. something that's interesting here is, I've just talked about Gremlins, Gremlins 2, which was early 90s, but, you know, close to the late 80s. Alien, which is late 70s, close to the 80s. Um, Invasion of Bodger Snatchers, okay, pick that off the list, but Halloween 2, 80s. Tremors, 80s. It's very interesting. The Fly, 80s. Was there something going on there? It feels like the best horror films are really coming uh, out. Excuse in the me. 80s. Uh, let me also add uh, Elephant Man, 1980. Yeah. And <laughs> Jaws was late 70s. That yeah. was part of yeah, that 75. era. And I, 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 there's something to that to me. I mean, look, I've I, I grew up more in the 90s going to cinema than I did even in the 80s. Um, but. I mean, I've, I see all sorts of modern movies, and there's a lot of interesting ones, but those in that era were so unique and different, and there was just something going on. 80s horror movies were just the best. Would you agree with that? I do. That's a really interesting premise. Was there something going on culturally, internationally? What was happening on our planet hmm. at that time? What, what, what stand out? Do you see any kind of um, cause and effect? I mean, what I would attest it to would just be that we're starting to put enough, I mean, technology had advanced and money was becoming loose enough that we could start to make special effects better than we had been able to make them before. We were also starting to make cinema in this serial fashion. Television, I think, had influenced enough that we we started to realize, okay, this film will live on. It'll, it'll have a life of its own after the initial release and it'll be shown on film and we could start to serialize the characters. We could start to do Friday the 13th part two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It just keep going on and on and on. That's a real interesting premise you've got. Either what you just said or it's, it's an answer to disco. Mm. <laughs> that might be it too. <laughs> just let's fucking kill everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my number one film. Yes. Number one monster movie. Number one. I've been waiting for From this the moment. 1980s. Do you want to give us a couple quick hints before? You know you... what this is. Come on. You don't? What do you think I would say? I have a poster of it. The I'm looking around. The Thing. Robert's. Where's the poster? It's in the bathroom. Okay. Well. I'm... The Thing. What a great horror movie. What a great monster movie, I should say. It holds up really well. Um, it's. It's really interesting. If you haven't seen the film, it's a uh, seven. It's a remake, right? You're not talking it about is the original. say but the first one was in the 50s. It's kind of, a, I guess, like a reboot, I guess I should say. But it's a... Um, reimagining. It's reimagining, yeah. It's, I think, seven guys that are in a um, in Antarctica in a research facility. And this dog uh, is... It makes their way into camp. And the dog had been chased by another research facility in Antarctica 
and they try to kill the dog and they lock the dog up and the dog, it's kind of a combination of invasion of the body snatchers and like this weird alien starts taking over people and it starts killing them and kind of replacing them uh, with this kind of alien thing. And soon you don't know who's real and who's more alien. And this thing has just kind of taken over. Really interesting film. The special effects are so incredible, especially for the time. They were amazing. They worked really, really well. And they're, it's just a lot of fun. Kurt Russell is amazing in that movie. Right. And it was directed by? John yeah. Carpenter. Carpenter. Was that Cronenberg? Uh, John Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. I almost said John Frankenheimer. John Frankenheim. So, uh, yeah, I love The Thing. If you haven't seen The Thing, check that movie out. That's a great one. Nice choice. Thank you. I'll go in your bathroom now and look at the poster. Please just look at the poster and don't do anything else in the bathroom. All right. But first, let me give my first and... Then no, I'll, go in the bathroom. Not right now. Let's do a remote <laughs> in Robert's bathroom just so Ira can say his number one. I don't do number one in my bathroom. <laughs> really don't do number two. All right, go ahead. <laughs> I alluded to it earlier. You knew it was in my top five. And how could I not have included the original King Kong of 1933? Mm-hmm. The uh, stop motion animation, uh, the music... And uh, Max Steiner and and the whole thing with like I said earlier about yeah. it was Beauty that killed the beast and and the capitalization of 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 the man bringing down this 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 the giant, man uh, is the, the monster man, an exploitation that's the word yeah and again it had a profound uh, profound effect on me when I was a little boy watching on TV and I re- I did cry at the end and I told my parents but King Kong was was good. It was good. This the, is the, the first movie you ever jerked off to, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's not denying I think it. I'll go home now and watch it on TV. Um, <laughs> and that's my top number one favorite. This monster. is where you got the monkey fetish, <laughs> or I like hairy women. <laughs> so good. Uh, so that's your number one. That's monster my number. Movie? That's my number one. Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I still remember the long shot when it was falling off the Empire State mm. Building. It was almost in silhouette, and the ape tumbling down actually hits the ledge, the wall of the Empire. It's all in one shot, and then it continues. I mean, it was really hurt, and then when it was on the ground and yeah. standing there at the end and saying the famous last line, it was, um, it was an amazing film for its time. And again, obviously a lot of it has to do with from where we came, how old we were when we saw it, the right. effect it had on us, and so on. But... Um, King Kong, for me, how could it not be my number one choice for monster movie? Well, that's a good one. The first one. Not the fourth King Kong, but the first. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, guess what? What? We did it. We did it? We did it. That was fun. <sighs> we recorded a podcast. We did? Did you remember to push record? Oh, fuck. Oh, let's go redo it again. Uh. Okay. Redo it again. That was redundant. Redo Let's go it again. Redo it again. Either we redo it or we do it again. Let's go redo it Not again. Redo it again. One more time. Maybe we need to do it twice. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> on that note, if you enjoyed today's podcast and you'd like to send us a little something, or if you hated our guts and you'd like to tell us so, please send us an email. You can reach out to us, Robert at moneyshotpodcast.net or and or Ira at moneyshotpodcast.net. Or you can shoot us a message over at our Instagram or a Twitter 
which is at Money Shot Podcast. So yeah, there's a bunch of different ways you can reach out to us. And we're asking you, please, if you like the podcast, be sure to tell a friend, tell a family member, tell anybody who likes movies to check us out and give us a listen. Subscribe to us in iTunes. And uh, until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. <laughs>